You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it the wrong way. This is Play by Play Cast, the world's number one sports media podcast. Wait, what? Nobody's fact checking it, just keep going. Here we go. Who the hell is Happy Gilmore? Got all that on camera, right, John? Sure, I did. All right, because the red light was not on. The podcast about play by play broadcasters for play by play broadcasters, hosted by a play by play broadcaster. Oh, you can stick me in some kind of Italian boat because that one is Gondola. Now, from New York. Really? All the big ones are from New York. Your host, Joe Godet. It's still Joel. Yeah, he will not be able to see very well, Cotton. All right, happy Friday. Welcome back into another edition of Play-By-Playcast, everybody. My name is Joel Gadet, the television and radio play-by-play voice of the Ball State University Cardinals and a basketball voice on CBS Sports Network. This is the podcast about play-by-play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters hosted by one. It's a professional development podcast that dives into the tips, tricks, experience, stories, process, and preparations of some of the biggest and best play-by-play announcers in the business. You can find it on social media at PXPCast. I'm at Joel Godet or email me jgod. E-T-T at B-S-U dot E-D-U. And I say it's hosted by a play-by-play broadcaster, but for now, I guess. I guess that's the case for, for all of us at the moment. Another week of home confinement and quarantine as we all get through COVID-19. And hopefully all of you out there are um, still hanging in there and still doing well. I know it is a wild time and I am one of the lucky ones right now. I, I'm, I'm an employee of Ball State University, so even though there are no games to call, still doing some interviews with student-athletes, some check-ins with student-athletes, some check-ins with alums, uh, some guys that are playing professional sports right now, kind of what they're going through at the moment. Interviewed uh, a former Ball State football player this week that is uh, a player in the Canadian Football League who got back into America I think a day, maybe two days before they closed the border. And he was waiting. He just had a newborn in December and was still, at this point, still waiting for the paperwork to come in um, and just said, all right, we can't wait anymore and and crossed the border. And he, he said they had to, had to answer a lot of questions when they showed up at the border of Canada and the United States with a newborn that didn't have all of its papers lined up yet. But he said, hey, we like we don't get home now. We might not get home. So when you think about... Each of our situations, I count myself as lucky. Um, count your blessings wherever you are, um, because you never know what situations other people are are in at the moment. Doing a written feature right now for BallStateSports.com on student-athlete alums that are nurses. And, you know, spoke to one today that is an ER nurse in California on the front lines. And she sent me a picture. It literally looks like... Homer Simpson going to work at the nuclear power plant. Like, I mean, looks like it's a space outfit. It's incredible. I mean, the mask is, it, there's no other way to describe it. Like it, it looks like a, a space suit and it's incredible because, you know, you talk to her and I, I talked to another uh, former basketball player that was a nurse and they're scared to go to work because they don't want to get sick themselves. And then in fact, in, in one of their cases, their fairly still newborn daughter um, or their spouses. And it's um, it's scary. I know it's, it's weird for all of us because we don't have games to call right now, but um, there's so many other things to think about. So that being said, I tweeted this out yesterday and uh, probably will go through with it. 
there's obviously a lot of time on all of our hands, and this podcast usually comes out once a week on Fridays, but with a lot of time, uh, I have been doing a lot of interviews. And I always feel weird at the end of an interview when I say, oh, you know, this this will be this will be the episode in, in five weeks. So hang in there. It's it'll it'll come out. Uh, so what we'll do, because I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people and record a lot of episodes for the for the pod. And also, we all have some time on our hands. Uh, we'll probably go a little bit more regular than once a week. Now, you'll be able to catch a little bit more play by play cast than you've been used to. For those of you that are returners to the podcast, thanks for coming back. For those of you that are new to the podcast, welcome. There are 170 episodes archived that you can go back and look at, including last week's with Adam Amin, Kevin Kugler, and Mike Monaco were the two episodes prior to that. If you go back into the 90s, though, Bill Mercer is one of our guests, who's been the voice of virtually everything in texas um including professional wrestling but what are people doing in their their newfound free time during the coronavirus quarantines bill actually went back and listened to his episode <laughs> um this past week i was sitting at home on sunday watching television my phone was on the other side of the room i got up i picked it up and as i get a text message i picked up my phone and it said missed call from bill mercer and i was like well this there is no way that Bill Mercer is calling me. This has to be like a misdial or he, or he's changed his number. Read, listened to the voicemail and uh, no, it was Bill. He, he called me um, because he, he was tuning into the podcast and, and we sat and chatted for, I, I think, like a half an hour. He and his son on the line and it was it was cool to 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 talk a little bit more shop with Bill. If you have not heard the episode with Bill, uh, do go back and listen through the archives. It's just a great reminder. Uh, number one, you never know who's listening. And number two, uh, don't say the word gets, and you'll understand what that means if you go back and listen to that episode. But number three, there is such a wealth of content already built up for PXPCast. It is all available to you if you're new to the podcast. Uh, do go check it out. If you're not new, uh, you can re-listen to some of your favorite episodes as well and always be learning as we go forward. All right, Pat Hughes is our guest this week. He is, or will be, when the season starts, the radio voice of the Chicago Cubs radio network. Uh, he's bounced around Major League Baseball before that. He was with the Milwaukee Brewers. He was with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, did some basketball when he was in Milwaukee as the voice of Marquette as well. But Pat is most known for being the voice of the Chicago Cubs on radio radio and with that being the voice that had the only or that has the only call of the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series at least the team call of the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series last time they did it before 2016 there there wasn't radio or at least there wasn't sports on radio uh, so Pat was uh, behind the mic for uh, that Chris Bryant throw to Anthony Rizzo back in 2016. We'll talk a little bit about that, but it is a uh, pretty in-depth, wonky conversation with Pat, and it's a fun one from the standpoint of how you broadcast baseball, how you storytell in baseball, how you have the right tenor and demeanor and control of your voice while broadcasting a baseball game. Talk about working with an analyst, um, why he and Ron Coomer now work so well together, uh, but why he and Ron Santo worked really well together as well when, you know, they had the, the Pat and Ron show going for the longest time, the beloved duo before Ron uh, passed away a couple years ago. Where we start, though, is a place that is unique to uh, listening to play by play cast. It is about as wonky as you can start an interview like this. Pat Hughes, the things he looks for. Minute details 
that make people the best baseball broadcasters they can be. That is where we start this week on another episode of PXPCast with Pat Hughes, the radio voice of the Chicago Cubs. Learning how to do play-by-play is something that's very interesting to me because you can only learn so much in reading a book or taking a college course or in listening to other broadcasters. You have to get out and practice by yourself over and over and over. And I think about 200 games would be the number that you have to do minimum before you really can start to develop your own style. Um, So that would be just kind of like a backdrop. And then regarding each individual pitch, I think that in a two-man broadcast, and and that's what mine has been in Chicago. In Milwaukee, it was a one-man show where Bob Euchre and I alternated innings. Uh, Occasionally, there would be interaction between the two of us, but primarily it was a one-man show um depending upon whose inning it was when there's a two-man format which has been what i've uh, had for the last 25 years here in chicago with ron Santo, keith moreland and now uh, ron coomer um i think that ideally you can't always get every single pitch i tell guys i'm working with and i even tell guests in the booth uh, for example, people who are going to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. I say, if the ball is hit, please be quiet. Let me call the play, and then I'll let you continue what you were saying. But I said, if the ball is not hit, go ahead and just keep talking. Hmm. It's a two-man format. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be able to catch every single pitch. Um, and in in the grand scheme of things, Joel, to be very honest with you, once a game is over, how important was it uh, whether you called that pitch that was a ball to make the count two and two in the third inning uh, when nobody scored in the inning? How important was that pitch really? Not very, let's be honest. So in, in a one-man format, if, if you're um, Ben Scully, yes, you're, you, can, you can stop what you're saying and you can cover the pitch at your own discretion, uh, at your own choice. If you're in a two-man booth, you can't always do that. Let me sidetrack for a little bit because I, I don't want to forget to ask, and you brought it up. Um, who's the best take-me-out-to-the-ball-game uh, singer guest that you've ever had on during a broadcast? Hmm. Uh, there have been so many. Uh, <laughs> the most memorable ones, the ones I was the most excited to have and the, the happiest to have would be, let's see, Jimmy Buffett would be right at the top. That's cool. Uh, I thought of Kenny Rogers the other day when he passed. He was in our booth, and he was very nice. Uh, Jerry Lewis, uh, the great comedian. <clears throat> um, let's see. Um, we've had Donald Trump was in our booth. Not that it was all that memorable, but he, he stopped by. Um, we've had politicians. We've had actors. We've had athletes. I, I, I was, was thrilled when Ernie Banks would drop by. Um, I don't judge them on how they sing (laughs) because, uh, to be honest with you, Joel, seriously, when they're singing, I'm, I'm off and I'm taking a little break and I'm sipping some cool water and I'm chilling and I'm not listening to every word. And, uh, you know, it happens every single day. So it's not, it's not really like the highlight of my day or anything. Um, 
and and people say, well, how did he do singing? I I don't know. I guess he was okay. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just being very honest. It's it's um it's a fun thing for the person doing it, and I think some of the fans enjoy it. But personally, I'm uh, I've been working usually in the seventh inning. I've been on the air live for two and a half hours already, and uh, when I get a little chance to take a, a twenty or thirty second break, I take it. Yeah. It's like, how, how did you think he sung? It's, uh, how did you think he sung? We'll go with that. Um, what is, uh, l- let me, if I can step out to more of a 30,000 foot view then, um, if we, we started really nuanced, um, what in general, not necessarily specifically, what makes a good broadcast of baseball to you? Like when you take your headset off at the end of the day, you are happy that you accomplished what over the course of three to four hours? Being accurate and being fair, being accurate with the description that you've given for the last three or four hours or whatever it's taken, Um, describing what happened, allowing the radio audience to see what happened in their minds. Uh, It's different from a television broadcast where you don't have to describe everything. Radio, you do. So there's a lot going into it. I'm exhausted at the end of every game. I really am, especially now at my age. I'm going to be 65 in May. Um, you know, it, it's it's not easy for me. I can't speak for anybody else who's ever done this, Vin Scully or Harry Carey or uh, Bob Bucher or anybody else. For me, Joel, this is a very difficult job to do, to do it right. And I laugh when I hear other broadcasters, not to mention any names, they say, uh, this is such an easy gig. All you got to do is talk. Uh, no, that's not true. You have to perform. You should be prepared. You should be performing. You should put on a show. You should use great vocabulary. You should make the audience laugh. You should be entertaining. Are you doing all of those things? If you are, that's not easy. So I try to have fun. I try to laugh. I want the audience to laugh. Being at the ballpark is a fun thing to do. It always has been for me ever since I was five or six years old. Going to the ball game? All right, I can't wait to get there. It's going to be fun. There's going to be thousands of people. And I was a Giants fan. I get to watch Willie Mays. I get to watch Orlando Spada and Willie McCovey. I love those guys. I love watching them hit long home runs and the crowd going crazy and uh, Juan Marichal, he used to kick his leg up over his head on every single pitch. It was a fun place to be. Um, so I think you ought to laugh. And I think as a broadcaster, you ought to allow your audience to laugh a few times each day. Have fun with your partner. I think um, part of the objective for me always is to get Ron Coomer's knowledge and personality out of his head and into the microphone and into the ears of the audience. So I think there's a lot of elements that go into it. But at the end of the game, you you have to feel like you tried to make the calls accurate. You had proper background information. You told appropriate anecdotes at the right time. If there was some play in the game that occurred that reminded you of some other play that happened 30 years ago in a World Series game, you should bring that up. There should be elements of history involved, um, but uh, mainly just you know trying to get things right, trying to minimize the mistakes. Anybody who thinks they're going to be a perfect baseball radio play-by-play announcer for a given game is sadly mistaken. 
there is always something else, something better you could have done. Even if you don't stumble over words, you could have been funnier, you could have been more insightful, you could have been slightly more prepared, you could have had more knowledge to tell a story that you brought up in the fourth inning. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a very difficult thing to do. And the guys that really are great, like Vince Scully and uh, Jack Buck and, and whomever, they make it sound easy. Vince Scully, it sounds like he's sitting in a rocking chair. <laughs> and we go to the third inning, and you know, here's the pitch, and it's swung on and fouled away. And, and he's so relaxed, and he makes it sound like it's easy. I laugh at people who come into the booth, even people in our business. People will come in, and they'll say, you guys get paid for this? <laughs> you know, as if as if we're not working, as if we're just – uh, you know, laughing and joking and having fun at the ballpark. Yes, we're doing that. But in the context of a performance that is, you know, crafted and um, you can't you can't lose control having fun, because if you do, you won't be able to cover the game properly, if that makes sense. One hundred percent. I actually had. We, Harlan was on this podcast last summer, and I never had thought about the word exhaustion before until he brought it up. He's like, I, I want to feel exhausted after every game because that makes me feel like I, I, I'm spent. Like I, I, I had to put energy into this, and if I didn't, then I don't feel like I did my job properly. Um, and it made yeah. me really start thinking about how I felt when I took a headset off at the end of a game. Well, I tell people um, it's like rolling up your sleeves and going to work. Um and I'll tell you what's really difficult is when you get into the month of, say, August, and it's 98 degrees and it's humid, your team is losing, they're 25 games out of first, and you've got 40 more games to go, and you can't go anywhere. You are stuck, and you are there. you got to put, put on a show. The audience is not going to be quite as large, not nearly as large, in fact, as if uh, the team was winning. Uh, compared to the team winning, uh, you still have to put on a show and you still have to do your best job. Being a professional, I once read somewhere, being a professional is doing your best even when you don't feel like it. So it's an important thing to learn in, in baseball. But um, it's not easy. It's not easy. You, it, it, your your mind is going to wander sometimes in an 11-2 to two game. You're in the sixth inning. Um, again, it's August. You're in Cincinnati. The heat is oppressive. Uh, the Cubs are down by eight runs. Uh, nothing is going right. Very little positive has occurred. Uh, the starting pitcher lasted two and two-thirds innings and gave up seven earned runs. And now it's a parade of bullpen pitchers. The offense hasn't put together a rally all day. That happens. But guess what? You got to cover it. And yeah. you've got to, you know, somehow try to keep positive and just um, – I, one thing I do not do, Joel, I don't make excuses for the team or for any player. I just lay it out here. I, I figure the audience collectively is smart enough to make their own decisions and make up their own opinions. And I report it and just leave it, leave it up to the audience to assimilate that and filter that any way they want. Has that ever caused friction? In a situation where the team's not doing well or something didn't go well and a player says, hey, I, I heard you say this, um, in a, in a, and it's caught you in a weird spot. Uh, no, because it's not. Uh, there's a difference now. Let's, let's draw the distinction between criticizing 
and reporting. If you're just reporting that a guy is two for his last 28, you're not saying he stinks. You're not saying he's a terrible hitter or he couldn't uh, hit his way out of a paper sack. You're saying he's two, two for, for his 28. last 28. Yeah. I mean, that, there's a difference there. Now, some guys get personal. Uh, I don't. <clears throat> if um, uh, here, here's, I was just thinking of Chris Bryant, as good as he is and as, uh, as, as nice of a person as he is, there was a game last May at Wrigley against the White Sox. It was one-to-one in the bottom of the eighth inning. One-to-one. He hits a pop-up. He's leading off the inning. He doesn't run. Mm -hmm. The pop-up in left center falls in because the shortstop and left fielder each thought the other was going to make the catch. And Chris should have been at second base easily, standing up, no problem. But he jogged, and he had to stop at first. And I said, Chris Bryant did not run. Had he run hard, he would be at second base right now. He did not run hard. He's at first with a single. Bang. That's it. You don't need to say that's losing baseball. That's bad base running. He's a dog. You don't need to say all that. All you got to do is report what happens. And and that's that's the difference between being nasty and being mean and simply being a good, honest, sincere reporter. And I bet they respect that in some essence as well as players. I hope. I hope they do because uh, I, I always try to be fair. I try to be fair to managers, umpires. That's that's a, a pet peeve of mine. I can't stand that because I, I umpired and refereed games as a college kid to put myself through college. And I learned the rules. Um, it was a great thing to do. I think for any play-by-play man, being a referee or an umpire is an excellent background job as a young person for you to have but you learn um how difficult it is it's a very hard job if you're an, a, a home plate umpire joel there's going to be <laughs> you know in, in a big league game about 300 pitches in a game um there are going to be about 25 of those minimum that could go either way they might be an inch in the strike zone or an inch out of the strike zone that is a very difficult job, and the ball is is darting, it's dancing, it's breaking, it's sinking. Um, so umpires have a difficult job, and when a broadcaster who's never umpired a game ever, uh, amateur ball or pro ball, sits up in the booth and says, "Oh, it looks like he missed that one. Boy, he's got a bad strike zone today." You know, I, I feel like saying, "Well, are you sure? Are you just are you being a homer for your team?" I can't stand that. I really can't. It's uh yeah it, the pers- the are you sure is the interesting question there because you're probably not so w- what good does it do you to to dive into to that line of thought um, I want to talk about the entertainment part for for you and how you you're a performer and there's a story and you're trying to elicit you know Ron's intelligence and you're also trying to make Ron laugh and you're trying to have a good time over the course of three or four hours. Um, and the the particular thing I'm curious about in that regard is the way you get in and out of that type of stuff. Um, if it's a story that is relevant to somebody who is currently at bat, the best way that you get yourself into that, or if it's a story about something that's not relevant to anything that's happening in front of you, but you think that it is of a benefit to the listener. Um, 
how do you get yourself in and out of all of those situations to weave that seamless tapestry? Well, I, I think, um, first of all, there's a time and place for everything. Um, I keep the middle of the game open, Joel. That's just part of my, the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings would be storytelling, uh, joking around, having fun. The first couple of innings are establishing um, the, the, the ball game and, and kind of setting up the game. And how has the pitcher done lately? How did he do his last time out? How has Chris Bryant hit against Jack Flaherty uh, in their head-to-head battles? Anthony Rizzo, how has he done against these New York Mets in his career? Um, you know, John Lester, what's his record against the Pirates? Uh, is there a memorable game between uh, Lester and Pittsburgh that I want to bring up early in the game? So the first two or three innings, you know, you, know, you give the uh, pitcher's numbers and the batter's numbers and you know, he's hot lately. He's driven in 12 runs in the last seven games. Um, and you weave those things in. So you've got the game set up. Now, at the end of the game, seventh inning on, if it's close, you, you don't want to be telling a lot of funny stories. You, you want to be focused on the game, uh, on the strategy. And that's where Coomer comes in. You focus on the availability of bullpen guys of uh, uh, possible pinch hitters um so you know the 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 start of the game and the end of the game are business that's the way i would look at it the middle time is when you can have some fun so that would be the first part of the answer to your question how do i get into it i think spontaneity has a lot to do with um that job and ron might say something he might use a word that i haven't used uh, I remember he used the word, um, hitterish, the, the, <laughs> the guys are feeling very hitterish today. And I said, well, let me, let me look that up in the dictionary, Ron, I'll get right back to you. <laughs> nope. You don't have to, it's not in there. You know, uh, whatever it is, uh, I, I, I believe in being spontaneous. I think that's, that's a big part of humor in my opinion. Um, and, and just, you know, mentioning it and keep moving along now if there's a story involved then you have to remember to still get the pitches and still describe the play and you know set the story up uh let it have a little bit of a middle ground and then conclude with either a punchline or the end of the story so it's not um it's not uh brain surgery it's just you know kind of weave it in as you can but the important thing I, that I want to make here is that I, I don't think you ought to start the first inning with a bunch of stories. Right. Um, and if you think, here's another thing too. If you think that you have a, a sense of humor and you think you can tell jokes for three hours every day, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're, com- you're completely out of your mind. You're going to sound like an idiot. I worked with Bob Euchre, a professional comedian. He doesn't try to be funny all the time. You can't do it. So don't even try. Don't even think you can. And there are a lot of people probably uh, doing, you know, broadcasting or talk shows who think they could do play by play better than the guys doing it. Maybe they could. But if somebody thinks that they're going to be entertaining wall to wall from the first pitch until the last out, there's not a chance in the world. Well, and if, and there's never been one to do it, and there never will be. If you're trying to be funny too, it's probably it's it's. I feel like it's the ones that are just naturally, it just happens. 
that wind up in the best spot. Yeah, that's 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 a good way to put it. Yeah. And it, it, like, it's funny, the one like, you, you mentioned Vin Scully earlier, one of my favorite clips for no other reason than it's just out of left field is, and you can find it on YouTube, he does this whole rant about the history of beards. Like, back to medieval times, why beards were important. And it was like, it, it it was I was I learned something. It was interesting, and I'm I I remember sitting there going, "How did we get here?" Um, but he's just so masterful at being able to weave into something, um, and then get you there and take you down that road that it it, it just kind of leaves you awestruck a little bit. And that's that that skill of diving into storytelling that um, that we can all uh, have and learn from. I feel like. Vinny's in a in a category all by himself, Joel. There's never been anyone like him, and anyone who tries to imitate him is uh, is going to fall way short. I, I interviewed Vin for a pregame show on Cubs Radio about 20 years ago, and uh, it was it was wonderful. I saved it, and I'm going to save that piece of tape forever. But I said, um, uh, first of all, Vinny, you. You know, you've influenced virtually every baseball broadcaster who has begun his career after the year about 1960. (laughs) You've had some influence on them. Um, But his big thing is to be yourself, be yourself, bring your own background, your own knowledge, your own personality, your own vocabulary and sense of humor. Be yourself. And that's great advice. It really is. Don't try to sound like Vin Scully or Harry Carey or whomever it was that you grew up listening to. Uh, that goes back to what I, I first started uh, this uh, podcast with was, um, you know, you need 200 games of practice before you can develop your own style and, and find out what might be your strengths and what makes you a good announcer. But a lot of it is simply just being you. Um, so, and anyway, I said, Vin, it's it's ironic in a sense that you've always said it's so important to be yourself, and yet you have influenced virtually all of us baseball announcers since the year, you know, 1960 forward. And he said, well, I, I appreciate that, but, you know, you don't want to try to sound like somebody else. You want to, you know, bring bring your own uniqueness to the booth because that's that's the main thing you have. And he's right. Uh on a similar note, I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I wanted to ask you about um, yourself and your style and your sound, um, and in a couple of different ways. The the first of which is, is from a, a strictly sound standpoint. Uh, I haven't asked this question on this podcast in a while, but it's one of my favorites. Um, how long have you sounded like this, Pat? Like, wh- what has developing your instrument and voice uh, been like for you? How long have I sounded like this? <laughs> like, I mean, I, ha, have you always had that deep resonant, or is that something you've had to work on and something you have um, paid attention to as you've grown into to, to obviously where you're at now? No, it's it's um, this is my real voice, and um, <laughs> you know, I when I'm performing, I I really try to enunciate properly, and and I, I think what I what I really want to do is be understood. Uh, I used to talk to Ron Sando about this. I said, the art of communication is simply being understood. You don't have to use great language or great vocabulary. Uh, What you need to do is to try to speak clearly and allow the person who's listening to understand you. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, Nothing less, nothing more. 
Um, when I was making the call in Game 7 of the World Series, people said, well, did you plan out what you were going to say? And I said, well, yes and no. Um, I said the main thing I wanted to do was to be under control. I wanted to be easily understood so that when they play that piece back uh, to the next century or whatever, or how long they ever do listen to that, I want it to be easily understood. I don't want my voice to crack. I don't want to be out of control emotionally. And I think I did that. And it's not the greatest call that's ever been made, but at least I achieved that objective. And that is, it's easy to understand. You know, you said, though, not to go back to Vin, but like he sounds like he's just sitting in a rocking chair calling a game. And I think people would you have a very ease of listenership or listening to you. Like it's very comfortable to turn on a game and hear your voice and hear your tenor and hear your pacing. Uh, How did like how long did it take you to hone in on that? And and what keeps you calm? Like in, in that moment, you're calling game seven of the World Series, Cubs win for the first time in 100 years, you're still very calm in that moment, even though I'm sure there's juices running through you up to Wazoo. Uh, How do you stay level that way? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for talking about my Wazoo. It's it's been a while (laughs) since somebody has mentioned that, and I I do appreciate that. Um, (laughs) I think uh, what I also tell people, Joel, is that uh, when the, when the game gets crazy and the bases are loaded and the, the winning run is at second and the tying run is at third and there's two outs and it's the Cubs and Cardinals and uh, you know slugger at the plate and the closer on the mound is high drama. There's tension, there's pressure. It's crazy. But actually uh, I'm happy at that moment to have a job uh, because I have to continue to describe and deliver the action and uh, let the audience know what's going on. It's harder for me uh, to be watching a game than it is to be broadcasting it in a sense, Hmm. because when you're broadcasting, you know you have to bear down. You have a job to do. Uh, So I don't think about, you know, the pressure or anything. I think about what I'm saying right now and what I'm going to be saying in the next 10, 15, 20 seconds. Which brings up another... um, I think it's an insight more than anything else, but I think most of us who do what we do, uh, which is to be a live uh, play-by-play performer, uh, we're a little bit crazy. And one of the reasons is because you not only are talking in this moment, but you've got to be in a fast forward mode in your mind. You have to be thinking 20 seconds from now, a minute from now, about five minutes from now. What am I going to be talking about? So you never can completely uh, just chill. You always have to be on. You have to be thinking about what you're saying right now. Um, So many times when you're doing play-by-play, you will listen to a call later on, and you will not have any recollection of a word or words that you used because of the fact that I'm describing. You are calling the play, but you're also thinking about the next comment and the next one and the next one. So you don't really have uh, time to appreciate exactly what you're saying right now because the next thought comes up and you gotta hit that, you gotta hit the next thing. Um, Going back to the call in the World Series of Game 7, uh, I, I think I said, 
you know, here's a, a bouncer slowly to Bryant. Yep. And I was proud to get the word slowly in there in the heat of the moment. And I said, he'll glove it and throw to Rizzo. I waited until the umpire, Joe West, called out. And I said, it's in time. The Chicago Cubs win the World Series. The Cubs come pouring out of the dugout, jumping up and down like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. <laughs> and then I said something. I said, the Cubs have done it. And I swear, as I listened to it the next morning, I didn't, I didn't hear it on any <clears throat> post-game show that night. It was, uh, you know, it was like one in the morning, so I was <laughs> done broadcasting. But when I heard it driving home from the airport at about seven the next morning, uh, I thought, where did that come from? I don't remember at all saying the Cubs have done it. That's how much in the moment I was of not only, you know, broadcasting, but thinking about the next 30 seconds and the next minute and so on and so on. So that's that's just a that's an unusual thing that. People, most people in their jobs don't really have to be concerned with. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I, I can I can empathize with that 100. Um, percent Getting locked in the moment that uh, sometimes uh, you don't quite remember how it comes out, and you just kind of have to trust that you're you're trained and your tools are there that that uh, it will come out sounding the way you want it to. Um, well, and, and if I could just interject, yeah, you know course. what's really difficult is on a real crazy play is to make sure you um, are easily understood. And it's it's much easier said than done. But there might be – there was a play <clears> – <throat> Javier Baez is a third. It's it's uh, the NLCS against the Dodgers. Third inning, you know, uh, he, he bluffs down the line at third. And I forget who the Dodger catcher was at that time. But he tries to pick off Baez. But Baez, as soon as he sees the pickoff throw – he dashes for home. Mm. That's a hard call to, to make because you say pickoff throw, and now he's going to be safe at the plate. So I should have you know, said pickoff throw to third. Baez breaks for the plate, the throw home, not in time. But it happens so fast that your mind and your, your, your voice and your mind have to work in conjunction to make sure that you don't confuse the audience. It's uh, it's something I deal with particularly in football all the time. Is trying to rack all of that together when things happen very quickly. Um, so that hit a that just hit a uh, an, a, a good touch point for me in my mind. Um, how do you slow it down? How do you keep yourself in that perspective? Well, you you concentrate again on what you're saying, right? And before you jump to the next thought, finish this thought. It might only be for a second. Baez breaks for home, the throw to third, not in time, or whatever it is. So finish the thought, finish the phrase, and then go on to the next one. And and sometimes it's impossible to do. Um, you know, plays get crazy in baseball. Yeah. They, they do. You got guys uh, in rundown plays and then a wild throw, and now you have you know, guys running. Now two runners end up at the same base, and <laughs> – you know, so um, you just have to – you really have to bear down. Baseball is interesting because uh, another thing that, that uh, people don't realize, um, they, they think I'm, – I'm talking about people who are just average fans. Yeah. They think baseball would be the easiest sport to announce because we all know baseball. We've all played it. We know where second base is. We know where 
right field is. You know where foul territory is. Easy. I could do that. <clears throat> well, baseball, you have an hour where nothing happens. And then you have 15 seconds of absolute frenzied action, uh, a triple with the bases loaded. That is one of the great challenges for a play-by-play man. But you've got guys going everywhere. You've got cutoff men. You've got throws coming in. You've got third-base coaches watching to see whether they should send that final run to the plate. You've got the relay throw coming in. Is it all the way or is it a one-hop throw? Uh, is it a slide or does he stand up? Do you have um, rules of where you look in a situation like that? Where do your eyes naturally go that's important for you? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Uh, I, I think a good rule of thumb is the ball and the lead runner. The ball and the lead runner, and you can't go wrong. That's a uh, yeah. That, it's uh, that's one thing that always that always gets me, and I've started to. Um, for football and basketball, which is the majority of what I do, I've, I've started to go official first and then figure it out from there. Um, so I've always, and I don't know why it's a more recent development, but try to find the one place to fixate your attention and then kind of work backwards from there so that things don't run haywire on you as a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. And, and that goes back to the experience of, yeah. of doing a couple of hundred games just to see what this thing's all about. Yeah. Um, Pat, I, I don't want to take any more of your time, so I'll, I'll let you get going. But the last question I have for you is, um, what are you doing right now? Like, how are you spending this time, and uh, how are you staying sharp so that when they say opening day is next week, you're you're ready to go? I'm reading. I'm reading the Sports Illustrated issue with the uh, baseball issue um, with Javier Baez and Tim Anderson on the front. I am um, just kind of preparing. I, I read every day. I I listen to tapes and um, listen to videos and go to YouTube sometimes. But, um, no, a, a lot of it is just reading. And right now I'm, I'm reading about this uh, coronavirus and yeah. how terrible it is. <clears throat> uh, so that's took taken a lot of my time. But uh, I'm in that high-risk category. That's something I do not want to get. So I'm trying to be as smart as I can about it. But, no, I'll be ready. I'm, I'm, uh, it, this is the time of the year, late. March, early April, when baseball begins, and uh, it's just put on delay this year for a few weeks. I hope it's only a few weeks, and I hope sometime in early May we can crank it up. But um, I'll be ready to go, Joe. All right, that's Pat Hughes joining us, the radio voice of the Chicago Cubs, here on another episode of PXP Cast. Uh, some things coming down the pike for you mentioned we've got a handful of interviews at the beginning and we might start going to a little bit more than a once a week format emma tiedemann we talked about bill mercer his granddaughter is the double a voice of the boston red sox the portland sea dogs she'll be coming up krista blunk of pac-12 networks and several other places uh she is in the shoot as well coming your way larry khan is the nfl voice and ceo of sports usa radio he'll be on the podcast coming up dan duva the las vegas golden knights radio broadcaster he will make his return to the podcast ian eagle will make his debut on the podcast coming up and one that i'm very excited about Mike Moore, longtime television producer, uh, one of the guys that was behind the launch of ESPNU. Phenomenal conversation. We have already taped it with Mike Moore. We have not yet had an EP or a CP on this podcast. So unique and very interesting viewpoints coming up uh, with Mike Moore 
on a future episode of PXP Cast. Basically, we got a lot coming your way. So stay tuned, stay locked in. If you have not subscribed, please do so. Please rate and review the podcast as well. And we will talk to you next time here on PXP Cast. My name is Joel Gadet. The music is Marshmallow. The guest was Pat Hughes. And we are out. And that will do it from St. Louis, where the score is inconclusive.